Mighty Ape is Australia's entertainment and pop culture superstore. With everything from movies, music, games, toys, books, hobbies and more, Mighty Ape is your one-stop shop for the things that matter most. They constantly have hot deals and exclusive promos. And if you visit their website on the click-through banner on fakechef.net's homepage, then your purchase will help support Good Movie Monday. Mighty Ape, Australia's entertainment and pop culture superstore. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning! Morning! Good morning! Good morning? You mean to wish me a good morning? What do you mean that it is a good morning whether I want it or not? Please go away! Let me speak for the love of God! It's a beautiful morning! <laughs> That's horrible. And my lips weren't even moving. <laughs> That's a bit of exposition for you right there. All to be revealed shortly. Good morning to those of you listening to us bright and early as the episode drops. My name is Glenn Cochran and that guy opposite me is Ben Helwig. Hey Ben, what's going on mate? Hey mate, uh, you know, same old, same old on a, this fine Monday morning. And by opposite, I don't actually mean at the desk, but that's soon. We will get to that soon. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, the I don't know how this podcast is going to go if I uh, have to make the uh, journey out <laughs> to the middle of nowhere to where you live uh, to do the show. I know that uh, I know that uh, Keith turned up at the desk last week. <laughs> he did. Uh, he also lives a stone's throw from from here. All right. <laughs> that makes it, it makes it much easier because I think I'm I reckon I'm a good 45 minutes to an hour away from you. Excuses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at least I can drive, so that does make it easier. <laughs> Anyway, this is Good Movie Monday. We are the weekly podcast presented by FakeShemp.net, home of the nerdy cinematic ramblings. Uh, you've already found us, so it's kind of pointless for me to say that the show can be found on iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube, or wherever you get your podcast from, so we'll just move along from that. If you're listening to us later in the day, or later in the week, or perhaps even years from now, howdy folks, and I hope I'm not dead by the time you chime in. And if I am, please celebrate my life with a viewing of Caddyshack 2. That'd be nice. <laughs> and for me, nudist colony of the dead, please. <laughs> Excellent choice. I haven't seen that. I think if there's a movie that people are going to play at my funeral. It would be nudist colony of the dead. Well, in honor of you, my good friend, I'm going to wait till you are dead before I watch it. <laughs> you mean you didn't come along to the Friday Fright Night screening that I presented <laughs> and screen that film to, to 10 fascinated people? Friday Fright Night Night Night. <laughs> the original incarnation of Friday Fright Night. Well, my friend, there are two two specific um, events that are having anniversaries today, this morning, as we speak. And I'm breaking my own, you know, movies only creed by mentioning these. But uh, Qantas, the Australian airline flying kangaroo, turns 100 today. And here's the big one. 30 years ago, Millie Vanilli was stripped of their Grammy Award after being exposed as frauds. Do you remember Millie Vanilli? I used to love Millie Vanilli. <laughs> I remember it was a much it was a much more innocent time. Millie Vanilli, George Michael. Like I remember when Faith came out, like that was a huge song in my life. And <laughs> uh, well, there's probably a lot of listeners who are thinking, uh, "What the hell are they talking about?" But uh, you know what? Google Millie Vanilli. You won't be disappointed. They were essentially a chart-topping pop act who ended up being total fakes when they lip-synced over other people's voices. I mean, do you remember? I think, wasn't it London Beat? Was that the name? They came out with a song, uh, which I think was called I've Been Thinking About You, which was like 
I think they were the voice. They they were the voices of Millie Vanilli. Is that how they got caught? No, no, no. It was because they got caught. They got busted. Yep. And then they gave. They were like, "Well, these are the guys who who are the actual voices of Millie Vanilli. So let's give them a shot." And they weren't. You know, they they weren't twins. <laughs> they should have called yeah. themselves the real Millie Vanilli. Yeah. <laughs> Too legit to quit. I th- I could be completely wrong. It may not be London Beat. That's just what I had in my head. I guess it doesn't really matter. the name of the band. How's this for a flimsy tie-in? Let's talk about aviation movies to celebrate Qantas. (laughs) And we'll talk about fraud movies uh, to celebrate Millie Vanilli's downfall. Excellent. But anyway, something to talk about first. Uh, The best news I've heard in a long time is the fact that uh, cinemas have reopened across Victoria and for some of you lucky bastards who live elsewhere, Melbourne was, in particular, um, locked down, um, shut for months on end, and uh, we're one of the last places to reopen. So, Ben, um, you know what the tragedy of this is? It's the fact that I just have not got time to, to actually go back to the movies. What about you? Do you plan on going back? To be honest, I, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about sitting in a cinema Although I do really want to see Freaky and I really want to see that uh, Liam Neeson movie. So, you know, maybe I'll just have to suck it up. I know a lot of people are just chomping at the bit to get back, which is a good a good thing for the cinemas themselves. I want to get back. I just haven't got the time. I probably shouldn't, you know, probably shouldn't have said any of that because we do have Possessor getting a, a national <laughs> theatrical from the 26th of November. Uh, so, uh, yeah, definitely people should go and see that. Uh, <laughs> Well, how about this? One yeah. piece of news that caught my attention this and week. And they, is... they can go see it with the, the, the real Millie Vanilli. Apparently, it's not London Beat. <laughs> the, the, the real Millie Vanilli, actually, the guys formed a band called The Real Millie Vanilli from 91 to 92. <laughs> they released a bun- bunch of tracks that no one's ever heard of. And they would, they unlike me, they would go to the cinema. Well, I can yeah. uh, seg- I can segue from that man because speaking of <laughs> speaking of frauds, like here's someone else who I do consider to be a fraud. Uh, Johnny Depp has been dropped from the Fantastic Beasts uh, sequel, the new one coming out. More accurately, he was uh, he was asked to step down with a with a you know a tidy ten million dollar paycheck to you know just to help soften the blow. Of course, this follows a long and ugly battle of accusations of domestic violence and things like that. But, geez, I mean. If J.K. Rowling's name is still on this, it's quite a contentious film that this Fantastic Beast three has turned out to be. Yeah, I didn't realize. I mean, he's the villain in the films, right? He is the villain in the films. He's Grindelwald, so. and uh, I think he, Johnny Depp is easily replaceable. As far as I'm concerned, I'm not a fan of his. And the rumor is that Mads Mikkelsen will be stepping into the role. But I'm wondering who who do you reckon should replace Johnny Depp? Geez, uh, you put me on the spot here. Is uh, is Gene Hackman still making movies? <laughs> That, uh, can we get him in? How about, how about we dig up Sean Connery? <laughs> well, Mads Mikkelsen's a pretty good choice. I was racking my brain to think who would be an ideal replacement, but that that's no, a pretty you know, perfect it, one. Well, I mean, look, he's okay, but I prefer I prefer the 2000s uh, Mads Mikkelsen and uh, it's Javier Bardem. <laughs> Remember, he, used to be, he was always the foreign bad guy in everything, and yep. all of a sudden he's been replaced. Yep. By Mads Mikkelsen, who is now the number one foreign bad guy. And in case people are wondering why I, I referred to Johnny Depp as a fraud, it's because it's been revealed long, you know, maybe a year or two ago that for the last decade, 
He's never actually, you know, uh, memorized his scripts. He's always had an earpiece with somebody reading the lines to him. I just thought he was a bit awkward as a as an actor. <laughs> like, I mean, I haven't. To be honest, I, like, I mean, I love Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, but for me, that was almost the beginning of the end. Yep. For Johnny Depp, like, I, you know, I liked him in. I thought he was good in Twenty One Jump Street. I liked him in Chocolat. And uh, I don't. I look. I, to be honest with you, I I quite. I quite like chocolate, but I thought his performance in it was like his character in it, at least was completely unforgettable. Like you're watching that movie for Juliette Binoche and her kind of, uh, completely forgettable. You mean, uh, he is Johnny Depp is. Yeah. Yeah. But you're watching that movie. It's, it's her and, um, uh, Oh, my memory is so bad. Uh, the, you know, poison three days old. Uh, what's that guy's, uh, now I'm I should never have said it. Said it. No, what's his name? Um, <laughs> Al, is it? It's, it's not Albert. It's something like that, though. <laughs> do we need that? Uh, do we need that thinking music again? Yeah. Dun, 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 dun. The Jeopardy music. Well, let's uh, let's segue uh, again because uh, the Jeopardy music, dude. I played the Jeopardy music on last week's episode, and the good movie Monday Curse struck again because less than an hour after it dropped, we heard news that Alex Trebek passed away. What the hell's going on? I don't know. I think I think it's I think it's your fault. <laughs> Do we need I think to start? You are to blame. We need to start only talking about movies who have dead actors in them. That's yeah, or, or actors that we would like to see die. It's uh, and this is not one of them. It was it was Alfred Molina was who I was thinking of. Oh, it's of Alfred Molina and Juliet Binoche and Judy Dench are kind of the reason you watch Chocolat. Like the fact that Johnny Depp is in, he's just man candy. <laughs> he's the. Gypsy. I just don't think he's. I just don't think he's much of a presence. He's just yeah. weird now. He was much. I, he was much cooler when he was playing a normal guy who did weird things. Now that he's he's taken it up to a twelve, he's un, just. I just find him unwatchable. <laughs> I completely agree. Everything's a caricature these days, you know. Yeah, it's all a joke. Like it's it's like he he never stopped playing Edward Scissorhands. <laughs> like that's just. But yeah. even even back then, he played those with conviction. Like nowadays, it's just all you know lunacy. Anyway, like it's all like look look how weird I am. I'm so weird and gothy and you know whatever. <laughs> uh, I, oh man, well you know what? I don't watch um, Johnny Depp. I don't watch Johnny Depp movies anymore for Johnny Depp. Like I, I do think not. it's I think it's fair to say that the episode is off and racing. So maybe let's just check in with Jarrett, find out what's hitting home entertainment, and then uh, then we'll just talk about something else. Hopefully, there's a couple of Johnny Depp movies. <laughs> hey, this is Jarrett, and welcome to PE Class. Now, there's only two labels releasing titles on disc this week, and of those two labels, there's only a couple Blu-rays coming out. When I say couple, I mean the dictionary definition of couple. There is literally two Blu-rays coming out this week. So let's kick it off with one of them from Madman Entertainment. They're releasing Force of Nature on DVD and Blu-ray. Now, this is an action thriller that's set against the backdrop of a Category 5 hurricane. The movie stars Mel Gibson, Kate Bosworth, and Emile Hirsch. Then coming out on DVD is Made in Italy, a father and son drama with Liam Neeson set in Tuscany, obviously pre-COVID. And in fact, Liam Neeson's in Melbourne now shooting a new movie, so there you go. Then the last movie that's coming out on disc this week from Mad Men is We'll End Up Together on DVD. Now this is a follow-up to the 2010 French feature, Little White Lies. Then the only other label that's releasing a title on disc this week, and the only other Blu-ray coming out this week, is Biovision Entertainment with the Ray Harryhausen Ultimate Collection. And it is an Ultimate Collection. It consists of seven films that are going to reel the titles off. 
There's Sinbad in the Eye of the Tiger, the Seventh Voyage of Sinbad, the Three Worlds of Gulliver, the Golden Voyage of Sinbad, my personal favourite, like a childhood favourite, Jason and the Argonauts, uh, Earth vs. the Flying Saucers, and finally, It Came from Beneath the Sea. This release is loaded with special features. It's got commentaries, featurettes. It's even got an interview conducted by Tim Burton with Ray. So it is a phenomenal release that I can't recommend enough. If you don't own any of the previous individual releases or box sets, you must get this release. Now, I heard something about it being Qantas' 100th birthday. Uh, so I thought I'd throw my hat in the ring and maybe just recommend a film that I personally like that's set on a plane. And that movie is Red Eye. And I mean... 80% of the movie set on a plane, and the best stuff that occurs in the movie is everything that happens on the plane. It's directed by Wes Craven, and it sits more with the psychological sort of thriller uh, than it does his typical sort of horror fare. It is, it, it's a pretty good film. Like I said, it kind of falls over toward the finale when, when that occurs off the plane, which is a damn shame. But that said, look, the sum of the parts outweigh the whole, and Red Eye is a pretty fun watch. If you haven't seen it, I recommend it checking it out anyway that's it for me for this week until next time stay physical oh mate those movies that Jarrett was talking about dude force of nature like where the hell did that one come from that's mel gibson and emil hirsch like talk about two very controversial figures on the screen together i tried to watch that film i made it about i don't know 10 15 minutes in i just i found the emil hirsch character so unlikely like he's he's had a bit of a resurgence recently like he seems to be in a lot more stuff they're both clawing their way back yeah he was in that um he was in that that movie with jk simmons where they have a wild night in los angeles looking for jk simmons daughter and his ex-girlfriend kind of thing and that was pretty good but and there's that what's that horror movie that he made with a little girl where he's trying to keep her yeah, um, the alien, um, uh, the, yeah, what was that called? I should know. I freaking reviewed it. <laughs> Freaks. Uh, but there, there was that one, and that was, that. you know, that was pretty good. But, yeah, this one, he's so, he's so unlikable, like, at the start yeah, right. of the film. And I, I just couldn't, and that ruined the whole thing for me. But Jesus <laughs> Christ, dude, like, who who the hell signed off on this one? Like, Mel Gibson and Emil Hirsch, like, who thought they would be able to make a bankable movie with those two names together? Yeah, no, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I thought that um, the um, it's basically the same plot line as the um, as Crawl, but without the alligators. And I'm like, I'd just rather watch Crawl yeah. or you, you know, Hard Rain. I'd rather watch Hard Rain. Well, nevertheless, I am kind of happy to have them both on you know on the screen. I, I like and, them both. And have they not heard of Forces Force of Nature with <laughs> Sa- Sandra, Sandra Bullock, Bullock and uh, Ben Affleck? Like, I mean. <laughs> It's a terrible film, but I will watch anything with Sandy in it. I mean, anything. <laughs> well, Love anyway. Potion number nine, anyone? anyone? <laughs> cheers. Practical che- magic? Cheers anyone? to Jarrett. Uh, tidy work as always. <laughs> and uh, now... My name is Christ. My brand, our brand is Crisis. Did anyone watch that? <laughs> the Blu-ray was like $2 at JB and they can't give it away. Fire of the Amazon? But I've, I've got it. I've got I've got it. <laughs> I tell you what, The Blind Side, The Blind Side is one of my all-time favourite films. Like, I watch that way more than is healthy for any, for any... Do it on a plane. Do it in a bed. Just keep doing it and doing it and doing it. Ready PG-13, now playing at theatres everywhere. So, Air Force One, Turbulence, Passenger 57, Airplane, The Delta Force... 
all of them set in the sky. Um, can you think of a flimsier way to take advantage of Qantas's 100th birthday than to, to, to I don't know, talk about airplane movies? The only way I could think of a flimsier way was if Qantas had paid for a movie like McDonald's paid for Mac and Me, <laughs> and there was a, some kind of a dance sequence <laughs> in a Qantas airplane in a film. Oh, but I mean, I, I don't know how much. I wonder if they paid a lot of money for Rain Man. <laughs> now that I think about it, did they have to pay? Was that part of the, was it an actual fact that Qantas had never had a crash at that point? Or was, uh, did they pay to, to get their brand in, in Tom Cruise, in Dustin Hoffman's mouth, I should say. That's a good point. Hmm. As much that. as Subway paid for Happy Gilmore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, let's talk about some of our favorite sky high movies, I guess you could say. What, what movie comes to your mind when I say Qantas has turned 100? Uh, Soul Plane? No. <laughs> I've written that down. No, I've written no. that down in a list of, no. you know, oh my God. It is not Soul Plane. I would say, I would say, I mean, probably Die Hard 2. Yeah. Is, is possibly my favorite um, airplane related. Mm-hmm. A film I do love. I mean, any and there's a couple of Indiana Jones movies that fit this character, this um, this uh, criteria. But any movie where someone is kicked into a plane engine, yeah, and blood splatters out, like I love, I love that in a in a film. It's better than uh, seeing them in the rotor of a bloody boat. Like I love a, it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> because it, it, it comes with that sound effect. That yeah. And it it sounds like a yeah it sounds like you've been sucked into a vacuum into a, a lawnmower which yeah is great oh fantastic uh, and I mean Die Hard has some of the greatest villain Die Hard Two has some of the greatest villain like John Amos John Amos Franco Nero and uh, William Sadler yep like what a triumvirate of evil like yes. amazing an amazing cast William Sadler was a great villain under underrated villain in that one I just love that like I think he's like five foot tall and he's you know, skin and bone, and he does all. He's got all those great, uh, <laughs> like that's where he's practicing his martial arts in his underpants. Yeah. <laughs> like this is pure, pure exploitation. Even though very little action actually takes place on the plane in that film, but you know, it's... oh no, they have. There's a whole fight scene on the wing. Oh, that's true. <laughs> that's true. There's a massive, <laughs> and the guy. That's when John Amos gets sucked into the into the thing and then the plane blows up and he lights the lighter and sends up after how good is that scene when he when he lights that lighter oh fantastic yeah, yippee yay okay uh william <laughs> william sadler <laughs> well hey Not how that. how's this one like one i was thinking about movies and I, I revisited this one last week you know to to sort of have something to talk about air america man mel gibson robert downey jr this one was directed by roger spottiswood 1990 I remember this being a huge deal back in the 90s. Like, when it came out, I went and saw it theatrically. I remember the TV spots. I don't know why. I watched it recently. Again, it's not a great film by any means, but it really holds a place in my heart. I I was never, as a kid, I never went to see well, hardly anything theatrically. Yeah. Like, my parents just didn't, until I was old enough to take myself to the yep. movies, my parents never... Never took it. So we were always video store people. Yes. Always. And that's how I saw Air America. And I remember, I remember being disappointed by it, like being really excited to see it. Cause it was, it was like, and of course I had no idea about how box office 
worked and what made a movie you know big or yeah. successful like i judged it 100 percent. i judged it by how many copies the video library like home show or movie land had <laughs> yeah. on the shelf yeah and so as far as i was concerned air america was a smash hit was like a huge film because they would have had you know 50 60 copies of that on the new release shelf well the the, the publicity for it the publicity for it was very misleading because it did sell itself as a buddy movie like you thought you were getting like a yeah. lethal weapon type of buddy movie and all the trailers showed you them in the cockpit, you know, goofing off and all that kind of stuff. And when you watch the movie, it's much closer to something like Good Morning Vietnam. You know, like it's it's all about sort of the the reality of the Vietnam War on the ground. Even though this one's in Laos, which was a, a CIA operation that you know was off any record. You know, there was no record of it whatsoever. I look, I I think I've appreciated it's appreciated more over the years for me. And watching it again last week, I just I really took to it a lot more. I think that era for Mel Gibson was pretty good. He was sort of on top of his game, did stuff like Bird on a Wire and the Two Lethal Weapons, like part two and three, around the same and, time. Um, what, Tequila Sunrise? Yeah, well, that, that that was probably a few years earlier. But yes, like that era, like yeah. if you sort of were to take that sort of decade, I guess, he was really flying flying high. Oh, my goodness, I mean, that's look, terrible. I, I, yeah. <laughs> <sighs> I have to say that last Christmas, I caught a bit of uh, Lethal Weapon on tv <laughs> and i remember being I don't was say like, it don't say it don't say it don't say it please <laughs> what was i thinking the acting in this movie is ah <laughs> he's he's overacting so bad and he's crazy stuff I've, at the start with the christmas trees and stuff i was i was shocked at how i've but told then, you i've told you haven't i that we did like a franchise episode on the whole lethal weapon franchise and i was so pumped to talk about it and then we start recording and both jared and sean just let out the fact that they don't like it, like, it, and I'm like, what, what? It doesn't get good until until uh, Danny Glover gets stuck on a toilet with a bomb <laughs> in it, or or arguably until uh, Patsy Kensett has to do a South African accent. Well, here's something interesting for you because uh, Air America, obviously, it was Mel Gibson and Robert Downey Jr. and Nancy Travis is in it too. I always like what she does. But did you know that the film was originally supposed to have Sean Connery and Bill Murray as the two leads? Now that would have been a, an incredibly different film. That would have yes. been amazing, and I can actually envision that. It would have been fantastic, and it would have been a, it would have been like a it would have been a funny time for Sean Connery because at that age, at that point of time, he still looked like he was in his eighties, <laughs> but he would have actually been in his sixties. Well, he would have done Medicine Man around that time, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like he he should have he should have dyed his hair a long time ago. He would have maintained his youth. <laughs> but hey, Medicine Man that was directed by John McTiernan. So there's your diehard connection. Connection, yeah. I don't know what you guys were talking about in the thing. I remember I remember Medicine Man being a very popular film. I don't remember it being a a one of the worst movies of all time. It's it, its reputation certainly is like it tanked, absolutely tanked. Oh, I didn't know that. I mean, I know that it was. I once again, my knowledge came from. How many copies the video yeah. store had? Yeah. And Medicine Man was quite a popular one. It was or like it had a lot of copies. It was once again and, publicity was huge for that one. Yeah, so I mean that's all I had to go. I had no trade knowledge of how these things actually went financially, but I also rem I also know that when I was managing the DVD collection in Melbourne, that was one of the more regular imports that we would get in because it was it's not it was or at least at the time it wasn't available in Australia, and so yep. people were clamoring to see it again it, it had all like it, it's it sort of ticked all the right boxes because obviously sean connery but sean connery with a ponytail 
you know, yeah. um, it had come not, Bracco. not too far after, um, what was it, the Mosquito Coast. It had that kind of feel to it, that, you know, very much so, yeah, jungle kind of vibe to it. And it's just a nothing movie, nothing happens. Yeah, I mean, it's how exciting can you make a movie about a guy in the Amazon uh, coming up with a, was it a cure for cancer yeah. or whatever it is he's trying to yeah. find. And like, he was he, like, was he was kind of like the, a... the the Marlon Brando character from Apocalypse Now, like he'd gone a little bit batty. Yeah. Oh, dude. <laughs> but how's this? Speaking of Air America, uh, just to cap it all off, as an added I, piece of I trivia. Haven't, I, haven't, I haven't even done mine yet, but yeah, okay. We'll get to yours. <laughs> yeah, or, oh, sorry. I thought, I thought you meant the seg- you were going to cap the segment off, and I was like, oh. <laughs> no. To ca- no. No, because to, to, to cap off my Air America you know, talk, right. as an added piece of trivia, there was um, there was a sequel, Air America 2. A lot of people don't I know that. Boogaloo? <laughs> I don't know how many times you've said that when I've mentioned a sequel. It's it's the it's what you say after when somebody says the word the number two after a film. <laughs> the subtitle is always Electric Boogaloo. It was called Air America Operation Jaguar. And you know, I I kind of feel like it was a pilot for a potential TV show that they sort of made into a tally movie. Um, but then there was an actual, before that, there was an actual short-lived TV series that lasted for one year called Air America, starring uh, Lorenzo Lamas and Scott Plank. So there you are. Right. There is a lot I of, just, there's a lot of Air America to be had if you want it. And, you know, now that I think about it, the, the isn't that the, the, the main plot for Lethal Weapon is that it's all about ex-army guys smuggling heroin or whatever it is into the States. That's what Mr. Joshua and all those guys are doing, which is what they, you know, what they're doing in Air America is flying that stuff in for the CIA. And that is like after Vietnam's over, they're still, they've kept those connections. So are you, are you saying that Air America is a prequel? I'm saying it's, I'm saying it's just, there's a connection. <laughs> it's like the, it's the unofficial, maybe it's the unofficial sequel. Like, uh, <laughs> I, I do, I do love a good unofficial sequel to movies that actually have sequels. Before I go ahead and get Red Eye, um, what have you got next? Well, I uh, I have to say, possibly possibly my favourite um, plane related movie is the light comedic romp that is View from the Top. Oh my goodness! I'm really glad you said that. Really? You know, um, Richard Ayawata is that his name? The guy from the IT crowd. Yep. He's written Ayawati. Richard Ayawati. That's it. He's written an entire book. About that film, really? Yeah, I didn't know that. I, I'm gonna have to track it down because I, I, I love it. I, I thoroughly enjoy it. it. It was, it was made before Gwyneth Paltrow became obnoxious. Yep. Thanks to the internet. Yep. Uh, Christina Applegate was still like just coming, like coming back after having seemingly disappeared after playing Kelly Bundy. Was Mike Myers in it? Mike Myers is in it with a lazy eye. Yeah. I don't know how he pulled that off, but. Uh, <laughs> The whole film. Candace Bergen uh, is in it. Kelly Preston. Who needs a uh, script? Is, that is, writes itself. Yeah. Mark Ruffalo, before he was uh, the Hulk. <laughs> it was just uh, Mark Ruffalo. Mark Ruffalo um, back when Eric Banner was the Hulk? Yeah. I, th- I, I thought yeah, it could have been before Eric Banner <laughs> was the Hulk. Uh, Joshua Molina from the West Wing plays a, a gay steward in it. Mate, I was, I just, why it, did yeah. why did this not make Rolling Stones top one hundred movies of all time the other week? I honestly don't know. This I think Gwyneth Paltrow had a string of uh, 
excellent films around <laughs> this time. I think it was all about with, her uh, legs, wasn't it, in this one? Well, it was all about she it was everything. She had it all on display. <laughs> she wasn't really she's she's wearing bikinis for part of the film. She's wearing very short uh, skirts, very hmm. tight skirts. I have to just write this down. Uh, but it was, you know, this would have been around the time of duets. Note to self, read. And uh, <laughs> uh, what was that? What was that? That great one, Shallow Hell, the Jack Black movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is a, a fantastic film. That it, I certainly, recommend. it certainly is. Jack Black and Jason, um, what's his name? Um, Jason the, Alexander. Jason Alexander together. Hey, oh. Come here. This, look at this turn. It looks like Klinger from Matt. <laughs> It's pure comedy gold. It sure is. Oh, my goodness. Um, I think we're actually running out of time. Uh, I would normally weigh in with the second one, but uh, maybe I'll just reel off a few that um, we can put in that basket to never be spoken of again. Uh, Con Air is a good one. All-star cast. Um, All-star villain. Last week, we spoke about Snakes on a Plane with Nathan Phillips. Memphis Bell, non-stop with Liam Neeson, Flight Plan, Sully, Top Gun, Langoliers, Stephen King one. I actually watched Langoliers in preparation for this show. That would that would have been the next film I. Uh... It's aged poorly. Oh, it certainly has. Like it is, but it's very Stephen King. Yep. Very like <laughs> so Stephen King. It almost hurts. <laughs> and Stephen King's cameo in it is one of his finer <laughs> cameos in a film. Funnily enough, actually. A few months ago, I watched all five of the airport movies because uh, I bought a collection on DVD. Uh, although Airport 77 does take place on the bottom of the ocean, so that's not in the sky at all. Uh, <laughs> so maybe we could say that movie is a fraud movie. Yeah, we uh, definitely. A fraud on the public, on the viewing public. Oh, there it is, folks, an effortless segue. Well, almost a segue. Uh, anyway, here's some other stuff. What's happening everybody, it's Gidme here again from ScreenRealm.com, Australia's favourite entertainment website covering all things movies and television. Let's talk a little bit about what we've covered in the past week, kicking off with A Quiet Place 3. That's right, the third film in the A Quiet Place franchise is going ahead with the director and writer chosen. Despite still holding on to A Quiet Place Part 2, which has been pushed back to an April 2021 release, Paramount Pictures is confident they've got an expansive franchise on their hands. A third film in the horror sci-fi movie franchise has been greenlit by the studio and it's going to be directed and written by Jeff Nichols, whose credits include Take Shelter, Mud, Midnight Special, and Loving. The plot details are being kept under wraps, although the film is expected to be more of a spin-off exploring elsewhere in the monster-ravaged landscape, as opposed to directly continuing on with the Abbott family. The idea from the story comes from a Quiet Place star and director John Krasinski, who also directed and penned the upcoming sequel. Johnny Depp is no longer a part of the Fantastic Beasts film series. The studio has said that the role of Gerald Grindelwald will be recast. The decision to remove Depp from the franchise comes after the actor lost a libel case against newspaper publisher Newsgroup Newspapers and the editor of The Sun. Depp sued for a 2019 article calling him a wife beater and putting forth various allegations relating to his relationship with Amber Heard. Judge Andrew Nicole dismissed Depp's case against the publisher, ruling The Sun's claims, and I quote, substantially true. Depp has posted that he will be appealing that decision. As for the third Fantastic Beasts film, that will now be released in 2022, pushed from its 2021 release. More franchise news, the fourth film in the Olympus Has Fallen franchise is on the way. Gerard Butler will be returning as Secret Service agent Mike Banning in the fourth installment, which has been titled Night Has Fallen. Angel Has Fallen director Rick Roman War and screenwriter Robert Kamen will be back for the fourth film. No plot details for Night Has Fallen has been unveiled, 
The action picture will be shooting in Bulgaria and throughout Europe in 2021. The Olympus Has Fallen franchise has proven quite successful. The three films made over $500 million at the worldwide box office. It's no surprise then that Millennium Media is working on more around the brand. Apart from Movie 4, the studio is also looking to develop a TV series. Michael Bay has lined up his next movie and he's got Jake Gyllenhaal in negotiations to star. The project is Ambulance, an action thriller based on a 2005 Danish film of the same name. That original film was an action comedy following two brothers who commit a robbery in order to get money to pay for their ill mother's medical treatment. The robbery goes wrong, forcing the brothers to abandon their getaway car and steal an ambulance, which they discover has a hospital intern and a dying patient in the back. They're forced with a choice save the patient or their mother. The screenplay for Bay's movie is coming from Chris Fedak, marking his first feature screenplay following television shows such as Deception and Prodigal Son. There's no word on how closely the new ambulance will follow the original's plot. Deadline, the outlet that broke the news, reports that the film is in the vein of great action thrillers of the 90s like Speed and Bay's Bad Boys. So yes, sign me up for that. Gillian Howe looks to be liking the idea of remaking Danish films. He's also currently shooting The Guilty, an Antoine Fuqua directed remake of a fantastic one location thriller also from Denmark. That about does it for me guys. Be sure to jump on Screen Realm for our giveaways. We're still giving away Scott Atkins action movie Seized and the thriller Apartment 1BR. DVD copies of both of those thanks to Eagle Entertainment Australia. And we have a brand new giveaway up. This one thanks to Via Vision Entertainment. It's for the Expanse Seasons 1 to 3 box set on blu-ray that's right be sure to enter that giveaway thanks so much for having me screen realm on facebook instagram twitter all that jazz till next time i'm out of here and cheers to guillermo for that always on top of things don't forget head over to screenrealm.com and throw your support their way always informative loads of reviews and videos not to mention giveaways and heaps of other stuff uh, so before we jump into our next conversation, let's have a tune. Uh, I'm going to stick with the Air America theme here because if there's one good thing that comes from the Vietnam War, it's the incredible movie soundtracks. And Air America is a beauty. This song is probably on nearly every single Vietnam OST that there is. It's a long, cool woman in a black dress by the Hollies. Chill out to this one. And then up next, a little bit of Bonehead.
Welcome to Bonehead Weekly Fun Size. This week's episode, how shall we title, uh, title it, James? James. I was just going to have respect for our elders and talk about great films that star people over 80 years old. Would you like now, a butterscotch? Now, now that Chad's done having his stroke, real quick. Oh, no, I'm not go. done. I'm not done. That's oh, not, by the way, he actually is not people. mocking the elderly. He has severe medical issues. My bursitis. Get him diagnosed. Any, the damn kids. So, all right, I'll go first. Mine is just almost a stretch because elderly, he was 78, 79 when he made this movie. He died at 80, but mine is Richard Farnsworth and David Lynch's A Straight Story. It's the David Lynch film that no one talks about because it's a David Lynch film that doesn't really look like a David Lynch film. Chad? Completely agree. Completely agree, but it actually is, with The Elephant Man, to me, one of his best films in Blue Velvet. It is a straight story. It's about an old man who no longer can drive his brother is sick he wants to go see him 250 miles and it's based on a true story so he bought he takes a 30 year old lawnmower and drives there that goes five miles an hour from wisconsin from iowa to wisconsin and richard farnsworth was a character actor for many many years who didn't really get his comeuppance till late in life and then he was diagnosed with cancer and he committed suicide and i don't want to go too much into that but yeah he is pitch perfect in it. He was nominated for an Oscar. I think people have forgotten about this movie. It was not a huge hit. It's actually done for the Walt Disney Company. I don't even know if Chad knew that. Yep. It is a low-budget film, but it's fantastic. So if you're a David Lynch film please, or fan, or if you're just a fan of great stories, check out The Straight Story. The movie I'm going to pick is from, an, is from one of my favorite actors of all time, and I have never laughed harder at a performance than I have in this <laughs> I film. I know what you're going to do. I know what you're going to do. I am, of course, talking about Burgess Meredith, who was oh. 86 years old when he did Grumpy Old Men. Oh, man. I thought you were going to go another way. All right. Nope, nope. Uh, Burgess Meredith uh, in Grumpy Old Man. And then subsequently, the sequel, Grumpier Old Man, which also has one of the death scenes where I admittedly cried like a baby at. So, uh, but Burgess Meredith in both of those films made me laugh every time. I have seen these movies at least 10 times. And still, when he's on the screen playing his old perverted self, I just laugh every single time. And if you haven't seen them, please check them out just for the fact, not only do you have the comedic duo of Matthew and Lemon, but then in, in my personal opinion, in a lot of scenes, Burgess Meredith runs laps around both of them. Uh, plus, Burgess Meredith is just an amazing actor who... So, really good like credit nowadays burgess got the plum role yes the other two have to carry the movie yes and burgess got to show up talk some shit and walk off walk off and, and it, the, it, is, it is the plum role and if that, you, and if you, if and just for 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 humor's sake check out the blooper reel the blooper <laughs> reel it is comedy that's what i was gold. gonna say the outtakes are worth your money Yep, yeah, just like Cannonball Run 2. I'm, I'm going to have to go a little bit old school. I'm going to have to go with Jessica Tandy. I, I'm going to have to go with Driving Miss Daisy, Fried Green Tomatoes, yeah. all that stuff. I had, I, But I wanted to say Jessica Tandy because you, you can't watch Driving Miss Daisy without saying ah, it doesn't work as well unless she's in that role. She does bring something to that. But I'm going to pull Chad and do a quick twofer. I also have to mention one of the – she did uh, two movies, came out in 2018. Neither one, she's the major role. But I got to give some love to Murder, She Wrote's Angela Lansbury. She was the mayor in uh, the remake, well, the third version of Dr. Seuss's The Grinch. And she was the balloon lady at the end of Mary Poppins Returns, which was originally supposed to be the original Mary Poppins. 
but she passed on it to do another film, which we won't name. Angela which Lansbury. Movie did she pass on to go do? I want to know now. I'll be honest. The reason I said we'll pass is I forgot. <laughs> But, but the movie the movie she did like i looked at it and be like why in the world did you pass to do a cameo in in a movie that i think however you feel about mary poppins returns is a lesser film angela lansbury and dyke. jessica tandy you should have went with dick van dyke on that one no no and gonna do I, to her. I was well the reason i can't go dick van dyke is um he's still going <laughs> He, no, no, I can't do Dick Van Dyke. I know we got to edit this for time, but I can't do Dick Van no, Dyke. No, we don't edit shit. I'll spend an hour later on this going, where do I cut James at? Uh, the reason I didn't do Dick Van Dyke, Joe, well, if you want to say Dick Van Dyke, is because I don't like his Cockney accent. There, I said it. All right, I don't think guys, it's accurate. Check out those movies, except for the ones James said. So much hate for Angel Andrew. <laughs> Bonehead Weekly Fun Size. Yeah, thanks to Joe, Chad, and James from Bonehead Weekly. Find their full podcast online. Features all kinds of great interviews and cheekish banter. YouTube, I think, is the best place to find them because you actually get to see the whole damn thing. Uh, and their latest episode discusses their favorite directors, and they uh, they actually kickstart their show with a cheeky reference to yours truly. So there's your reason to be listening. Uh, anyway, the con is on, my friends. So Millie Vanilli faked it, and um, then they were exposed and... On this day 30 years ago, they were stripped of their Grammy. What a time to be alive, Ben. I mean, Millie Vanilli, right said Fred, D-Light, Sue Mix a lot. Terrence Tread Derby. Is a uh, London beat. <laughs> I keep flogging that London beat. I've been thinking about you is a classic song. I had the lyrics. I had the lyrics that I got out of a Video Smash Hits magazine so I could sing along when it played up on. I, I mean, I abused I abused the very concept of the Video Smash Hits magazine by using it to sing along to songs on Rage. <laughs> Mate, that's I like... I didn't even watch Video Smash Hits. Suck on that, Channel 10. Yeah, that's like oil and water mixing Video Smash Hits with bloody Rage. <laughs> with Rage. Oh, anyway, it got me thinking about movie fraudsters and um, you know, that's sort of topical at the moment, um, whether it's Paul Newman and Robert Redford in The Sting or Jackie Gleason and Mac Davis in The Sting 2 personal favorite of mine uh <laughs> cinema is littered with con men oceans 11 dirty rotten scoundrels matchstick men parasites the talented mr ripley and so on ben i know for a fact you must love a good con movie i do love a good con movie it goes hand in hand with my love of david mamet movies so many of which are con movies things like the heist mm -hmm. and uh spartan which is fantastic house of cards which is really good. And uh, my favorite, my it was my gateway drug to David Mamet, which was The Spanish Prisoner, mm -hmm. which is actually named after the con, The Spanish Prisoner, which is basically the Nigerian letter scam. We've had that conversation on the show. That's a great film. It is an excellent, excellent, excellent film. And it's clearly a, like a, like a very, very play-like, very theater-like. And they, they, <laughs> The whole thing, the whole movie revolves around this process that Campbell Scott has invented. <laughs> and they never once do they mention what it is. It's pure MacGuffin. <laughs> they couldn't make it more MacGuffin <laughs> if they tried. I think if, if anyone listening to this is having deja vu, this was one of your recommendations. Yeah. Well, I just love, uh, I love Spanish Prisoner. <laughs> you sure it's, do. Uh, it's great. I also, I also uh, really like... Um, Gambit, not so much the remake, but the original with Michael Caine and uh, Shirley MacLaine. Yeah, that's a which good is one. a which is a good. It's it's an interesting one because it's actually the movie plays out seemingly twice. Mm -hmm. 
because Michael Caine is the guy who puts this con together and he enlists the help of Shirley MacLaine, who I think is like a, a stripper or a prostitute kind of um, character to pull off this con of, I believe it's Herbert Lom. It's been a while since I've seen it. But Herbert Lom is like some, I don't know if he's in like Morocco or somewhere in the Middle East or something, but he's, and he's in possession of this, I think it's a diamond mm -hmm. that they want to steal. And so he basically, Shirley MacLaine is the kind of, um, is the bait to this trap and and uh, she helps michael kane but the the whole movie is basically the conceit of it is and you don't realize this when you're watching it i think i don't think they make it too obvious but basically it's michael it's all in michael kane's head the first half of the film it's everything goes perfectly and he falls in love with shirley mclean and they end up together and he the heist goes off without a hitch and then it cuts to the actual heist and everything goes wrong yeah. <laughs> and Shirley MacLaine can't stand him and nothing works and he's he's pretty kind of he's kind of incompetent and it's uh thoroughly entertaining I, the remake I haven't seen with um Jude is Law it, uh, not, is, is, is that is, I thought he was in the remake of Sleuth but uh I thought it was the other the oh other no um, yeah Colin Firth Colin Firth Colin Firth and is it Cameron Diaz yeah it could be I think I can't remember who the, but that by all reports is, is, is abysmal. Well, I was going to say somebody could fact check us, but don't, because we don't care. Don't. It's not, it, look, this show is not about facts. No. Glenn, this, this show is about people with faulty memories, remembering <laughs> things that may or may not have happened. Uh, like London Beat being the voice of Millie Vanilli. <laughs> this was a really tricky one for me because look, in theory, I'm not a fan of con movies. Like I, I never really am initially drawn to them, but then once a good one hooks me, like I'm right there all the way. And so I kind of struggled to think of one to talk about. And I was, I mean, Arin first, I thought about maybe six degrees of separation, the one with Will Smith and Donald and Sutherland. Will Smith's penis. If you've always, if you've ever wanted to see Will Smith's penis, Six Degrees of Separation is the movie for you. And then I thought about maybe Mel Brooks' film, um, The Twelve Chairs, but no, I kind of was a bit foggy on that one. So I went with one that's not necessarily a good film, but I just wanted to talk about. It's from 1990. It's a movie called Opportunity Knocks with Dana Carvey, and this one was um directed by Donald Petrie, who did Grumpy Old Men and um Miss Congeniality and Little Italy. Have you seen it? So a, a Sandra Bullock movie, <laughs> a Walter Matthau movie. <laughs> and um, who's in, oh, Hayden Christensen's in Little Italy. Ugh. Yeah. It's... And Emma Roberts. Yeah, like, if we're not talking about life, my life as a house, then there's no point to ever talk about Hayden Christensen. You know what? My, the, here's, a, here's a confession for you. Every single night when I go to bed, Little Italy is playing on the fucking television because <laughs> my partner Melissa watches it to send herself to sleep. It used to be it used to be Save the Last Dance and oh boy was I thrilled when that changed to Little Italy, but now I reckon I've seen this fucking finale about a hundred times. You need to get her to watch uh, like Take the Lead or uh Finding Forrester. Finding Forrester is a great movie to follow. Just something with a great finale, because that's all I catch. Right. Anyway. You need a movie that's got a great middle. If you're still awake at the finale, it's failed in its job to put you to sleep. No, no, no. This is like probably it's the, the movie's looped over two or three times by the time I come to bed. Oh, right. I see. Yeah, but because it's <laughs> the same time every night. Anyway, the reason I chose Opportunity Knox is purely for Dana Carvey. I, I just think he's one of those guys that never really got the break that he deserved. But Robert Loggia does also star in this one. And the plot of it has two con artists who pose as house, house sitters 
Um, after they break into the house, and whilst they're breaking into it, they hear the answering machine from the house sitter that's supposed to be there while the owners are away, saying that they've got something else has come up, they can't house sit anymore, and these guys assume the house sitting duties. And um, it's one of those clunky plots that sort of, you know, bumbling crooks pretending to be other people. But like I said, not a great movie, but it's a hell of a lot of fun. But the interesting thing about it that really caught my attention all those years ago was the promotion for it. I don't know if you remember it, but they did like tra- trailers for it at the front of other movies. And it was Dana Carvey doing the whole, hi, I'm Dana Carvey. And then his other characters of George Bush and the church lady would interrupt him and saying, this is a bad movie. You can't watch this movie. You know, that kind of bullshit. It's so tacky right. and so bad. And if you watch these trailers, it does not sell the film at, at all. The movie is much better than that. He didn't really redeem himself until uh, Master of Disguise. My too turtly for this turtleneck. <laughs> <laughs> and then what was it? He did that one with uh, Valerie Galena, Clean Slate. I never saw that one, but I do. He was fantastic in moving with Richard Pryor. That's, you know, he was always a better side character. And I loved him yeah. in um, Trapped in Paradise with Nicolas Cage and John Lovitz. That. It's a, it's a fraudster movie too. That's a good one. That is a fraudster movie. I, I tried to watch it once in the video store and I couldn't get into it, but I think it was more to do with the location and what was going on. People, like customers yeah. daring to come in while I'm trying to watch a film. I, I revisit Just, that one uh, nearly every year and I reckon when we do a Christmas episode, it will be coming back onto the agenda. That's for sure. <laughs> to, I might have to give it another watch. Anyway, it's definitely it's definitely got that '90s feel to it. Lots of racist undertones and humour that would never fly today, but that's kind of where the charm lies, for me, you know, for me. But what kind of what kind of con movies do you prefer? Do you prefer ones when you're in on the con, or ones like The Spanish Prisoner when the con is revealed? Yeah, I'll look. Like the con is happening to someone, or you're from the you're watching from the point well, of view of the con men. That goes both ways because I like the element of surprise, I you know, you got me kind of thing, but I also like the mechanics of the con. Like when it's a good con movie and the mechanics are all in the right place. That yeah. that is what I really love. Um I'm trying to think of one off the top of my head. Well, a surprise one would be something like Derailed. You know that movie Derailed with Jennifer Aniston and Clive Owen? Oh, yes, when they're both they're both cheating on their respective partners. Yeah. And... I remember that that one at the end, I'm like, Ooh, that one, that got me. Like I wasn't anticipating that to be how it was. Um, but I'm, yeah. try- I'm trying to think of a good one where the mechanics are in place. Like you said, Mammoth's always good. You know, you can sort of, you know, piece it together as you go. Yeah. And once you're, the problem with Mammoth is that once you're familiar with his style of con, of high, of con movie, you're onto it it becomes obvious. Like when you watch, if you've just watched the Spanish prisoner and then you go watch Spartan or you go watch heist, you can see it coming. You automatically know, okay, this guy's doing the dirty on you. You can't trust. You can never trust Rebecca pigeon <laughs> just in any of his, even like Winslow boy. You're like, I don't know if I can. Yeah. And I love Rebecca pigeon, uh, state and like her in state and Maine. Another David Mamet film is, is one of my favorite, uh, one of my f- favorite female characters in, films of all time damn straight but you can't trust can't trust rebecca pigeon i do love weekend is of bernie's the, is the moral weekend of bernie's is great it's a great fraud story. yeah i guess that i mean yeah i guess that it's the whole premise is a fraud kind of a different sort yeah. yeah uh what about mo money <laughs> <laughs> the thing i remember most about mo money is the song <laughs> the best things in life are free <laughs> what a great song to tie to it and it was, um it was 
It was great. Fish Called Wanda was a good one. I really like that one. Jackie Brown is a fantastic con movie. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, you go into it for the Tarantino factor, but you come out of it, you know, for the... For the Elmore Leonard. Elmore Leonard, that's right. And, you know, I've read a couple of his books, things like King Con and stuff like that, and they're, they're really good books. Oh, is it, actually, that's not Elmore Leonard. That's, uh, <laughs> some other, that's my other favourite uh, TV, uh, TV writer. Um, what was it you were saying? This show is not about the facts? Uh, no, it's about old men who can't remember things. Who's the guy that wrote The A-Team? And he's, uh, at the end of his TV shows, he does, he's on the typewriter and he goes, Fishing! and he pulls the paper out. Yeah, I don't um, remember, but. He did the A-Team and he did, I think, was Night Rider hit? I don't know, but you've got a great um, set of bongos over there. Great set of bongos? You just banging on your desk. Oh, my, yeah. It sounded like bongos. Uh, Stephen J. Canal. King Con is Stephen J. Canal, not uh, Elmore Leonard. But they're pretty similar, kind of. <laughs> They're right, similar stories. When, when you listen back to this episode, you'll understand the bongos joke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the guy that wrote the A-Team? Well, anyway, let's not leave that conversation there. How about uh, we'd love to hear maybe some feedback from everybody listening. So what are your favorite Scampster movies? If you join us on Facebook or YouTube, share some of your faves with us. I'm keen to hear what they are. We can start chatting about them, and there might be even a prize in it for you. Keep listening. I to think if anyone, if anyone says Curly Sue, they deserve a prize. Well, I have to cut that out for it to be valid, but I want to leave it in no, because you it. mentioned Curly Sue. No, that's the bit. I want to see who's listening. I want to see who's listening and who... Uh... But they have to have seen Curly Sue because we'll be asking questions. I think... And if you don't know the answers... <laughs> I think if they actually talk about con movies at all, proves they've been listening. Been listening, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys. It's Adam here from Adam's Just Seen with another Good Movie Monday recommendation. Now, today, I just flicked open my Blu-rays and I had a look and I'm like, what is the first movie that stands out to me? And in my hot little hands, I am holding the Blu-ray of Oliver Stone's Natural Born Killers, the wildest movie that you possibly haven't seen. Now, I just cannot overstate how controversial and how kind of notorious this film was when it came out in 1994. It was written by Quentin Tarantino. Uh, Tarantino has effectively disowned this film because Stone just turned it into his own. And basically, this has got something to piss off everyone it is wild it is political it is scattershot i mean the visual style of this movie is so insane it has you know black and white different aspect ratios it has different uh film grains it's got you know like whole animated sequences it's got like a like incestuous sitcom stuck in the middle of it it's just like nothing you have ever seen you know stone has always had kind of an affinity to drug culture and this is one of the most druggy movies that you will ever see it has the most incredible cast. Woody Harrelson here is just magnetic. You cannot take your eyes off him. He is supported by Juliette Lewis in an incredible, iconic role. But the supporting dudes, for me, that's the real juice that I really like about this movie. Robert Downey Jr., I think it's pretty evident, is in the absolute height of his drug use during this movie. And him as Wayne Gale, an Australian investigative journalist, is just the most bonkers batshit thing you've just ever seen tommy lee jones here too as well is just matching him as well as this mustache twirling warden and you have tom sizemore just rounding things out here as well um but look i mean if you haven't seen this movie don't even read up on it just throw it in i mean look it is breathtakingly violent merciless 
even uh and, you know and i mean stone ultimately said that it was a satire and it was a commentary on american violence in you know in their entertainment culture and how that they've just become so complacent but Christ, it's a wild ride. Uh, look, it's got some incredible music in there as too. Uh, I'm always harping on about my boy Trent Reznor, and so there's some Nine Inch Nails in there as well, a bit of Rage Against the Machine. So, like, look, this is kind of like, to me, a crown jewel of 90s cinema. And I had the luxury of seeing it on the big screen recently at the Astor. But yeah, like, just pick it up, pick it up in its uncut form. And look, there's some great supplementary stuff too as well about just how tumultuous and wild the making of this movie is so natural born killers five stars check it out immediately uh good stuff from adam there and uh now we're about to recommend some movies uh which is something that um we haven't done for a few weeks time so it'll be good to get back into that but before we do let's give away some prizes first we have a mystery prize it's a mystery new release prize pack from eagle entertainment um, and we're talking about four of their new releases and uh, the value of this one is $120. So all you have to do to score them is correctly identify the TV spot from earlier in the show. Email your answer to glenn at fakeshamp.net and you can win. Or mention Curly Sue in the forum, in the, <laughs> on the post. I'm not saying that guarantees you a win, but it's not going to hurt. <laughs> and the second prize we've got up for grabs is another pass to the Lunar Drive-In. This one's a beauty too. Valued at 30 bucks, it gets you a carload entry into the drive-in. So that's up to seven people. Obviously, they all have to be legally seated. But to win this one, all you need to do is engage with us on Facebook, whether it's about Curly Sue or not. Leave us a comment. I was going to say, the, the good news is, in two weeks' time, the Lunar Drive-In is playing Curly Sue. Well, there is... They're not really. They're not. Oh, but if you if you contact them and ask them, maybe they will. <laughs> man, you got me, you con man. <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be amazing if they were playing Curly Sue. It sure would. Well, leave us some comments and your thoughts on movies in general. Uh, perhaps even recommend some movies and we'll pick a winner at random. Just remember the more detail that you engage with, the better your chances are of winning. But speaking of recommendations, Ben, in those immortal words of Mr. Jarrett Garn, Lead the way, good sir. <laughs> well, this week it should come as no surprise that I'm going to be talking about Curly Sue. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I'm not talking about Curly Sue at all. Well, damn. Uh, I wish I would have thought about it. I may watch it next week and uh, recommend it next week in next week's show. But no, I'm talking about uh, Scott, Scott Siegel's 1973 crime classic, Charlie Varick, starring the one and only Walter Matthau. Uh, okay, uh, cool. With uh, with uh, Joe Don Baker and Maniac Cop fans uh, should rejoice. Cherie J. North uh, pops up. John Vernon is in it, and basically, it's a it, it is a it is a heist film, but not. Yep, I think is the best way to describe it. Basically, the the film begins with with uh, Charlie Varick, who is a, I think, a crop duster by trade. Aren't you a crop duster uh, by trade? <laughs> yeah, I am. I'm a, yeah, I'm a bullshit artist, so sure. Uh, <laughs> uh, he, he, but he, he robs banks on the side, and he, he set up this heist of this bank, this country bank, and uh, he and his uh, cronies, and uh, they include, um, I can never remember his name, it's like, Bo Hopkins. Is it Bo Hopkins? Bo yeah, Hopkins. I think so, yeah. Not the not the one from Walking Tall 2, the other one. <laughs> I always get those two mixed up. There's Bo, there's yeah, Bo Hopkins and And not the one from Walking Tall 3. 
or the one from Walking Tall 3, no. <laughs> the, the film that contains the world's most awkward running sequence. Uh, <laughs> I thought that was a Steven Seagal movie. No, it's a, it's a The Rock movie. Uh, <laughs> uh, they, so they basically they rob this bank, but as it turns out, the bank is actually a front and it's a mob bank and there's a hell of a lot more money in there than uh, there should be. Yep. And so basically the rest of the film is uh, John Vernon, who is the kind of, I guess, the, the head of the mob, sends uh, hitman Joe Don Baker to find out who stole their money and take care of them. And Charlie Varick, basically, Walter Matthau has to deal with not only Joe Don Baker trying to kill him, but his incompetent uh, sidekicks screwing things up for him and escape with the loot so to speak. And it is, it is a phenomenal, phenomenal film. I like, I know I use that, uh, <laughs> that term a lot, but why would I recommend a movie that's not phenomenal? This time you mean it. As, uh, as Adam says, <laughs> why would I not recommend a five-star film? <laughs> exactly right. And uh, Charlie Varick is one. And it's directed by Don Siegel, the guy who did uh, Invasion of the Boy Snatchers. I like your logic. Uh, you know. Well, mine is directed by John Sturges, the guy behind Magnificent Seven and The Great Escape. And this one's from 1955, starring one of my all-time favourite actors, Spencer Tracy. I'm talking about Bad Day at Black Rock. What a belter of a film this one is. Like, in my... my God, I can't... I honestly can't believe that you're uh, (laughs) you're talking about this. I was looking through... I I went into my bedroom, I was looking at my shelf of DVDs, trying to figure out what I was going to recommend. And Bad Day Black Rock was sitting there and I was like, do I talk about this? <laughs> How many people are going to know about Anne Francis <laughs> and Honey West, and which is all I would end up talking about? So I thought, no, I'll talk about Charlie well, Merrick instead. That's, that's amazing. A little bit weird because I was going to talk about, um, originally going to pick the taking of Pelham 123, which, which <laughs> has Walter Matthau. <laughs> we should have just done two Walter Matthau films. That would have been a better theme. That would have been great. Um, Can't, uh, who doesn't love a grumpy old man? Oh gosh! And you watch Walter Matthau. Like we, re- I, I, I worked on the release of an Audie Murphy western uh, called Ride the Crooked Trail, and Walter Matthau is like the judge in it. And he, I'm sure, in that considering the age of that film, he would have to have been in his twenties. But he's a grumpy old man in it. <laughs> I love how we both kind of alternate between Walter Matthau and Walter Matthau. We kind of just alternate in case you know one's correct and yeah. the other's not. <laughs> uh, why don't we? Why don't we do maybe um, our Tuesday night video? We haven't picked a theme for that yet, so let's do some Walter Matthau films. <laughs> that would be great. I can I can talk about Walter Matthau. But can I can I talk Bad about day. Bad Day at Black Rock for the time being? <laughs> right. This is a this is an awesome movie. Like I reckon in my mind, this is the precursor to movies like Waking Fright and U Turn. It's that type of fish out of water, um, almost like a neo western in a way. Uh, anyway, Tracy plays a mysterious man or stranger who arrives in a small desert town looking for a Japanese man by the name of Komoko. And uh, it's the first time a train has stopped at this town in, I think, four years, maybe five years. And upon his arrival, he's just faced with nothing but hostility. Like the hotel manager refuses him a room, even though there's nothing but vacancies. Um, The character played by Lee Marvin threatens to belt him up for no reason whatsoever. It's just... And and he, like Spencer Tracy, kind of gives it back with attitude. And I love that. And um, as I said, made in 1955, it's just so tense. It's shot brilliantly. And has a persistent, uh, I guess, air of menace over it. 
one of the best. What would you have said if you had picked it? Oh, look, I would definitely would have. I mean, the the fight scene between, and it's one of those great movies where where Spencer Tracy is actually a karate master, <laughs> but it's like sixties or sixties American, the sixties American idea of karate. So it's great. Like when he takes apart Ernest Borgnine, I mean, it's an all star cast Ernest Borgnine, Robert Ryan, who I think taught Clint Eastwood how to wear pants because <laughs> his pants are literally up to his armpits <laughs> in this film. Uh, Walter Brennan is a wonder to behold. Yeah, Walter Brennan, Dean Jagger. And Francis. Yep. Yeah. And Francis from, from Honey Wilder, uh, Honey, Honey Wilder, Honey West, mm-hmm. the TV series. Uh, and was it Forbidden? Forbidden Planet, the one with Robbie the Robot and Leslie mm-hmm. Nielsen. Yep, that's uh, that's Anne Francis. She's the uh, the kind of unlucky girl stuck in this town. And the I love it when he when the train pulls in and it's got this great kind of vista of the desert because this town is literally it is a string of houses. I mean, it, it looks like so much like a movie set. Yeah, because it's just one one strip with like. I mean, it's amazing. There's a hotel, a post office, a jail, a mechanics, and that's it. Yep. Like in this town, there's no houses. There's no people to use the hotel, to use the mechanics, to use (laughs) use the police station. None of that is in this. Like, and you, and it shows you. It's this amazing crane shot when the film starts, and you can see for miles around that there is just there is absolutely nothing there. Uh, that's why they're all pissed off yeah that's why they're all upset and they're all wearing their pants up to their arms <laughs> and, and spencer tracy is just the coolest cat on the Do you know what this was the movie there, there were two movies that sold me on spencer tracy and it was this one and the other one was inherit the wind which is the the legal courtroom drama about atheism and and whatnot and that he is he can deliver a line with so much charisma and so much calm, cool collectedness with with a real sort of back ended sort of slap behind every word. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, if you if you've never watched uh, a Spencer Tracy film, then remedy that immediately. Father of the Bride is another good one, like the first one he made. Well, the original, I should say. He's great. I uh, guess she's coming to dinner is fantastic. He's done like Pat all the ones he did with Catherine Hepburn are pretty good. Pat and Mike and death set and yep yeah all that but for a long time for a long long time bad day at black rock was not available in australia Mm. and it is now i believe you can get it on dvd and like along with i'm sure you glenn i couldn't recommend this movie higher yep high enough yep like head down to jb hi-fi and grab that grab that film if you're if you like like a good kind of noir neo noir neo western kind of film then uh you know grab that and you know while you're there grab charlie barrack as well there. <laughs> but don't you reckon uh, like this is a phenomenal double don't you reckon though like it is like a precursor to that kind of waking fright and u-turn the oliver stone film like it's it's kind of it set the tone for those yeah very much so and yeah like totally anyway it's very much it's like that you know stranger in a strange land uh kind of thing and that's that i mean that's basically what happens in the film is that spencer tracy comes into this town and there is this um kind of uh what's the word like a kind of depression mm. kind of in the town there's a mood hanging over the town yep and uh uh and he kind of he, comes in and like the, he the pops their bubble he pops their bubble yeah 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 that's right yeah for sure anyway um definitely get onto it like like ben said just you know find a copy find it. it's probably streaming 
go watch it. Anyway, there we have it. Let us know what you think of all those movies. Uh, and by all means, disagree with this if you want. We want to hear you, hear what you think of all of these things on Facebook and uh, and YouTube. And like I said, you can win stuff. Free pass to the drive-in, maybe. Um, but that's... And, uh, long live Curly Sue. <laughs> that's about it from now. We've reached the end of the show. It's about time. I think this might be a very long one. But, you know, long is good. There's, uh, there's, there's no such thing as too long when you're talking about Curly Sue. <laughs> Thanks for being uh, being on the other side there, mate. Um, it'll be shithouse show without you. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. That's a lovely <laughs> thing to say. I agree. <laughs> and it goes with it. <laughs> It goes without saying thanks to Jarrett from Monster Pictures, Guillermo from Screen Realm, Adam from Adam's Just Seen, Joe, Chad, and James from Bonehead Weekly. I didn't mean that to be as sincere as it came out. (laughs) I just feel so sorry for Keith. Like I was listening to the listening to the Tuesday video, and it's like it's so good. And uh, I do, I do quite enjoy hearing him talk, especially when he agrees with me on things. <laughs> he's a larrikin. He's got, he's like got, he's got like a there's a there's a tone that he has that no one else can replicate. I think it's yeah. the one liners he manages to pull out of his ass. No, but he's also he's very good on radio. Like he doesn't, unlike me, he doesn't um and ah all the time, and he doesn't forget what he's talking about halfway through a sentence, which, <laughs> a, which is a major, major um, issue. For me, despite but, the yeah. fact that he's not returning to the show, uh, we will have to get him in at the desk. All three of us going at it. That'd be fun. Talking about James Bond on the James Bond special when the new James Bond movie finally comes out. That's what we'll do, and I'll just sit back and watch. <laughs> We should just do, we should do like a six hour show where we go Bond for Bond. One, we just watch every film and we talk about every Bond film, all, what's that now, 20? Lock it in. 25? Lock 25 it in. Bond films? Mar- Bond films. And I'm, I'm like, we have to, we have to do Casino Royale, the original one, and the American Jimmy Bond movie. Lock it in. As well. We will do it. I'm making a note in my... In my diary. Dear diary. (laughs) Well, also, thank you to Eagle Entertainment and Lunar Drive-In. Their support is invaluable to us. And most of all, thank you, a loyal listener. Not much point doing this without you. So please continue to spread the word about Good Movie Monday. Like, comment, share us all over social media. Uh, Hope you all have a fantastic week. We're going to leave you with a special song. Ben, mate, the sincerity just keeps spewing out of me, mate. This one is for you, brother. This is Jigsaw with their song Sky High from the Man from Hong Kong soundtrack. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see you next Monday.